Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. into the future will be a mother. So I've done a considerable amount of research and I think that to say motherhood is difficult would be an understatement. But like most men, I don't wanna focus on how difficult it is, I wanna focus on all the blessings that you guys get as, as mothers. So first for the moms who are here, you were made for this. You were made for this, physically, emotionally, mentally. Uh, it's only when the enemy is effective at getting you to uh, deny that true identity that the gifts of God stay dormant within you. They're already in there because you were made for this. You know, I, I watched my wife with our first, uh, I said, I'm gonna get up every night when Nate cries. That, <laughs> it was like the third night and I was like, baby, you were made for this. Emotionally, I remember like the kid wouldn't stop crying. Like, and I thought I'm strong, I can handle anything. I chucked the remote across the living room and broke on the wall and then she's there patiently. I'm like, baby, you were made for this. <laughs> There's something within you mothers that, uh, that God placed there specifically. He did it on purpose. I wanna remind each of you that you're made for this. If, if, uh, if you struggle in that area, if you struggle in the past, if you're entering into, we have a bunch of new mothers and there's some struggle there, don't let the enemy lie to you. Those gifts are within you. Second thing I wanna share with you is that there's no greater honor than to partner with God to bring life into the world. You know, to carry a child, to have to talk to God, pray with God, women truly are the only ones who know something about what it means to bring life into the world. As men, we see it, we take part in it, hopefully we're engaged, we're happy, we're excited, we do the best that we can, but in all reality, it's different for you guys to birth a life into the world. For God to say, listen, I trust you to carry this child. I trust you to feed this child. I trust you to care for this child and to bring them into the world. It truly is, I can't think of any greater honor than to partner with God to be a part of that. Third, you have a more natural capacity to love forever and through anything. Most mothers, will not only love for a few years or into their teenage years or when they're adults, you just love forever and ever and ever. And it doesn't matter what you go through, it doesn't matter what the child does, there's this capacity to forgive, this capacity to love where uh, men and siblings, we grow hard and we grow rigid. But there's something about a mother that God has given you a capacity to be able to love forever and be able to love through anything. It's a special thing. 
And the last one is, is what I feel like the word uh, that the Lord really gave me for you mothers this morning is uh, redeem the time. Redeem the time. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse, or excuse me, chapter 5 verse 14, it says, Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Feel the Lord saying to you mothers, be filled with the Spirit. Understand that you are like our you series. You are who he says you are. And you need to redeem the time. You have a voice in the lives of your children. You have a key to the hearts of your children. And you have a commandment from the Lord to be an influence in their lives. I look around at a lot of mothers who feel like maybe that time has passed, maybe their kids have gotten too old, maybe they're teenagers or adults or have families of their own, and they feel like they maybe need to take a step back or they maybe need to say a little bit less. I want to tell you that that's a lie from the enemy. I'm almost 40 years old, and even though I don't tell her all the time, when my mama calls me, I listen. Amen. When she encourages me, I listen. When she tells me I can be great, I listen. When she tells me I'm messing up, I listen. Because she has a voice in my life, she has a key to my heart, and she has a commandment from the Lord to always be an influence. So the Lord wants to remind all of you mothers, redeem the time. It's not too late. It's not too late. That key will always open the heart of your children. No matter what's happened, you'll always be able to enter in. You'll always be able to speak into their lives. Even if they're hardened, even if they act like they're not listening, take it from me, they are. Amen. Amen. So I hope you guys are blessed. I hope you women are blessed in the rest of your Mother's Day. And I hope the rest of us try our best to spoil you guys. So we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come and worship you. We thank you for an opportunity to see our friends and our family, Lord, as we lift you up. We thank you that as we give our worship unto you, you supernaturally do something in our hearts where we feel joy, where we feel release, where we feel help and hope and peace, Lord God. We thank you for the mothers and everything that they've been through. You're the only one who knows. You're the only one who understands. Even when they try to express it to us, Lord, they can't fully do so, Lord. We ask that you would help them this morning. We ask that you would remind them of everything that they've been through and gone through, Lord how every step of the way you've been there, that you would reveal more and more of that relationship unto them, Lord God. I also ask that you would encourage them for the future, Lord, as they continue to parent, as they continue to mother, as they continue to love, Lord God. The gifts and the callings that you place within them are without repentance, Lord. This morning, as we get into your word, I pray that there would be revelation. I pray that your words would jump off of the page, Lord, that you would remind us your word is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is not a dead book. You are a living God. You knew that we would be in this room, in this place together, and you have a plan. You have a purpose, Lord. I just pray that it would be fulfilled, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds to you, Lord God. Whatever distractions we have, Lord, I hope that you would help us to set them to the side, Lord. Whatever it is that we're anticipating, Lord, even the good things, the lunches, the baptisms, all those things, Lord, that are going to come, I pray that we would just draw our attention unto you, Jesus. You deserve all of our focus. You deserve all of the praise. You deserve all the glory, Lord. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So like I said, it's going to be a little bit of a different Mother's Day message. Um, our church has been in a very special season. Uh, I would say back to Palm Sunday, then Good Friday, then Easter services, then the two weeks uh, after uh, Easter. God's just been doing some amazing things here. In those weeks, starting uh, with Good Friday, we looked at the betrayal. 
Uh, we looked at uh, the arrest of Jesus. We looked at power coming out of him. Even when he opens his mouth and says, who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus. He says, I am he. And they fall to the ground. Amazing things were happening. We looked at his crucifixion and the words that were said. We looked at him being put into the tomb and the depression and the sadness that, that uh, came over everybody that was following him and loved him. We looked at the resurrection and how the unthinkable, the unfathomable actually happened where death was defeated and he rose. We looked at how for 40 days he walked around and he wasn't just talking about anything. He wasn't just saying, hey, here I am. He was saying, I need to teach you about the kingdom. I need you to have a message and a specific message that you have to share, not just the whole story, but it's very important, this idea of the kingdom and my resurrection. After that, we saw the Holy Spirit come these last couple of weeks. The disciples and others were gathered together. It says that the Spirit came like a rushing wind. They were all filled with the Spirit. They began to go out and teach that message and preach that message. And it says that multitudes were getting saved. Multitudes were getting baptized. And that there was this move of God taking place. These last couple of weeks honestly have felt like that here in this church. Where we've seen several people get saved and give their life to the Lord. We've seen several people raise their hand and say, I want to get baptized, and then here it is. The baptismal's here, ready for them. We, last week, I think it was, we had half the church run up to the altar and say, I want to be discipled. It's like, man, what is going on? All we've done is we looked at what led up to Easter, we looked at what happened at Easter, and then we looked at what happened after Easter, and then God does now what he was doing then. Yes. It's not rocket science. There's no, like, extra formula to it. He says, just remember who I am and what I've done, and I'll do it again and again and again. So when I look at Mother's Day today, I want to look at it in that same light, not to shift gears and go to some other message and, and maybe talk about Hannah or maybe talk about Elizabeth or maybe talk about Sarah, but I will encourage you guys, go back and look at those women. Go back and look at their stories of motherhood. They're powerful and they're special. But what I'd like to do is just stay on the same track that we've been on and hope that God will do some of the same things we've begun to see him do. Amen? Amen. So the title of the message today, though, is Born Again. Born Again. I almost titled it Birth Again because I know how women love long labor and reliving <laughs> birth. No? Born Again is better than, than uh, labor again? <laughs> All right. So in John 16, 21, it says... A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Man, I love the word of God. It's special, isn't it? But watch this. You would think that this was some woman that's going through something and, and the Lord is trying to speak into her and encourage her. But he's not even talking to women. He's talking to his disciples. <laughs> So I want you to see a little bit more of the scripture. What he's actually talking about is Easter. What's going to happen at Easter and what's going to happen after Easter. So let's look at it a few more verses. This is from verse 20 through 22 now. Jesus says to his disciples, Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she's in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. 
Jesus is saying that when he's crucified, those who love him will be in pain, they'll be weeping, they'll be sorrowful, because they'll look and the fight for life, death seems to be winning. The key here, though, is that he says their sorrows are going to be turned into joy, just like a woman who's sorrowful when she's in labor. Eventually, the joy comes, right? The Bible says the joy comes in the morning. When she holds that life in her arms, all that sorrow and all that difficulty, right? I've seen it three times, and they were difficult uh, labors and births for, for our kids. But it was like as if it was all gone, literally within seconds, when they put that baby onto my wife's lap and onto her arms. It was like, man, how can you forget something so quick? I wish you forget the stuff I do to you that quick. <laughs> Woman, have joy. <laughs> but listen, I really want us to get it this morning. Jesus is saying to his disciples, and he's using this idea of motherhood and birth and labor and, and joy that comes after. He's saying to his disciples, listen, I will be born again. I will come back into the world. Your sorrow will be turned into joy. And this is the best part about it. He says, no one will be able to take this joy from you. No one will be able to take this from you. You know, there's mothers all over the world who had that same experience of labor and pain and pregnancy and then joy of a child, and then they've lost their children. Lost them to a lot of things. I think it was uh, one, of our, one of our young people in the children's church. She's in the 7-Eleven class, and uh, last week they asked her in class, you know, why do you look so sad? What's, what's going on? She had a friend in her own age, I think she's, she might be in fifth grade, something like that, uh, get in a car accident, and the little boy died. You know, imagine those mothers today when everyone's celebrating and flowers and lunches, but they've loved and they've lost and they've been heartbroken, right? Jesus says, the joy that I'm going to give you when I come back, nothing can take it from you. No tragedy, right? no unexpected circumstance, no breaking or tearing of this relationship. So special what he offers us. This idea of being born again, John chapter 3, verse 1 says there was a man, verse 1, right? There's, there's other verses before John 3.16. If you're taking notes, write that down. John 3.1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus says, he comes to Jesus, says, you are the man, you are a teacher, you've come from God, you're amazing, you're special. And instead of Jesus saying, let's talk about how special I am, he says, let me tell you that you got to be born again. Let me tell you that you got to be born again. And he begins to ask how. I think it's important right up front that Jesus says to him, and he would say to all of us this morning, it's like the wind. You don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it's going, but you know you felt something. <laughs> You know you were touched by something. You know that you're now different than you were before that wind came upon you. He says it has to happen. So here we go. Number one, if you're taking notes, is you were made for this. 
You were made for this. The Bible speaks of ages. The first age is Adam and Eve. They were created by the hand of God. It says that he breathed life into them and that God was in relationship with them and walks amongst them. That's the first age. He says, I'm going to shape you and form you into our image. And then it says that he breathed life into them and then they walked around together in close proximity. Holding hands is kind of the picture that you get. Then there came another age where men and women were birthed into the world without the handprint and the breath of God. It was the handprint and the breath of their mothers and fathers that was upon them. Because of the fall, this new DNA or this new handprint or this new breath that was in them was the breath of, of Adam and Eve after they sinned, after they fell. So instead of already having this presence of God walking with them and holding hands, they had to enter into a promise or a covenant or into this relationship where they say, we still want you. And God says, okay, then we're going to establish this sacrificial system. We're going to establish these promises. If you do these things, it shows the world that you want me and that you want to be with me. And then you'll have my presence. But instead of being in a garden where he would walk with them all the time, he began to send his presence in a different way, right? Those of us who have read a little bit, we know that there was a pillar of cloud that came out of Egypt and the presence of God went before them. There was a pillar of fire and the presence of God went before them. They'd set up a camp literally with tents and they had a tabernacle and the presence of God would descend into that tabernacle. Then they set up a temple when they finally got this promise of the promised land. They built a nice temple and it said that the presence of God would dwell in the Holy of Holies. But it was based on this covenant relationship where they had to continue to say, we want you, we want you. We'll do what you've told us to do. We'll sacrifice the animals. We'll give these offerings and these tithes. We'll read your word. We'll do all these things so that his presence would continue to come and dwell among them. Jesus, in this story in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, is saying, this is just before he's, he's crucified. He's telling them that an age was about to begin where rather than sacrifices, rather than laws, Rather than keeping his covenant in a certain way that their presence, the presence of God would come, he says, I'm going to initiate or inaugurate another age where the presence of God will come and actually dwell within you. There's a new age coming. And he says, the way into that is to be born again. No longer will you have the handprint of your mother and father, the breath of your mother and father. It'll be as if the beginning, you will be born again with the handprint of God on you again and the breath of God alive within, within you. The important thing when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he's saying, listen, you've got to be born again. He's saying, the old way worked and it was there for a reason. It was there for a season. But from this day forward, that won't work anymore. I was thinking about it. If, if you were to, to find like an old uh, movie ticket, Right? Somebody blessed you, you got a movie ticket, you found it in your wallet. It has an expiration date on there. If you try to show up to the movies with that, they're going to say, this is from 1987. You can't get in here. It's not even called Krikorian anymore. <laughs> they're going to say, where's your app? Right? That's the only way you're going to get in here. We want it electronically. We want to see that little barcode thing. That's how you're going to get in. Jesus is saying, listen, there is a new way. There is a new covenant. There is a born-again process that has to take place from this day forward. It's not going to be based on your ability to make sacrifices and, and uh, keep up with this law. Listen to what he said to him. John 3, 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't get in the way you used to be able to get in. 
You can't get in by going to church every week. You can't get in by knowing every scripture in your Bible. You can't get in by wearing the best Christian t-shirts and posting all kinds of Christian stuff anymore. You can't get in that way. You have to be born by spirit and by water. From this day forward, a new age has dawned. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you must be born again. In this age, you must be baptized, you must be filled with the Spirit, and this is what it means to be born again. Born of water means to be fully submerged and committed to Jesus as your hope for new life. That's what the water is about. You're saying, I will be born of water, I will fully submit unto the authority and the headship of Jesus, I'm fully submerged, I'm fully identified with him. Born of spirit means that you've actually received that new holy life. You've gone in saying, I'm going to go into a place where I can't even breathe. There will be no life left in me if I stay down there. And I'm not coming up until I have a new life within me. Can you see that picture painted? That's what he's saying. You've got to be born of spirit and water. You've got to go in in hope and in faith, believing that the only way to come out alive is if I breathe my life into you. And then you'd be born of spirit. Listen how Romans 6.3 says it. Do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We're identifying with his death when we get baptized. He died. He gave everything. We will die. We will give everything. He becomes number one in our lives. We're identified with his death. But that second part is we got to be raised with the same power that raised him from the dead, identified with his life. If you've ever been in a moment of life where you've said, man, I was made for this, it's a glimpse of what life in Christ is supposed to feel like. We have a bunch of athletes over here. Like when you throw that touchdown or you catch that touchdown, when you hit that game-winning shot, maybe some of you mothers, when that, when that baby finally came to you, you're like, man, I was made for this. That feeling inside of you where like, I've never had an experience like this, but I know that I was made for this. That's what the Christian life is supposed to feel like. Amen. I was made for this. I wasn't made for that life I was living. Right. I wasn't made for that way I was thinking. I wasn't made for those things I was doing. I was made for this. So yesterday I had this vision of mothers talking to their kids about Jesus. And it wasn't mothers talking to their kids about church. It wasn't mothers talking to their kids about the Bible or about sin. It was mothers talking to their kids, and specifically their older kids, about Jesus. So I saw this picture of mothers telling their children about how Jesus made a way for anyone to be born again that wanted to be. This vision of these mothers explaining to their kids what these different ages are and the age that they live in, and mothers explaining to their kids how it happened to them. There's a lot of mothers who want their kids to serve God, and they tell them, go to church. There's a lot of mothers that want their kids to have new life, and they tell them, stop sinning and get yourself a Bible. (laughs) But I really felt this strongly that there needs to be mothers that can come and say, this is how new life was actually provided for us. 
This was the age of Adam and Eve. This was the age of, uh, of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. This is the age that Jesus inaugurated when he said you can be born again. And this is how he provided that new life. And then the mothers have to be able to tell those same children, this is how it happened to me. Yes. <laughs> That's the key that God has given you that you need to unlock in the hearts and the minds of your children. So number one, you were made for this, men and women. Number two, there's no greater honor than to partner with God to bring life into the world. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at this, how Jesus prepared his disciples to go out and tell people this story about what God's done and to baptize them and to disciple them. That's, that's the great commission. When Jesus gets ready to ascend to heaven, he says, go out, make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything that I taught you. Go forth, right? He commissioned these men to partner with God in order to bring life into the world. He had these disciples, and he commissioned them to do this. Mother's Day is not just for you mamas. He says, hey, you men, you can go out there, and you can bring life into the world. You can tell people who are spiritually dead how to come spiritually alive. It started with these men that got filled with the Holy Spirit after they walked with Jesus for three years. They, uh, he told them to wait. They waited. They got the Holy Spirit. They go out. Uh, but since then, every single day, all over the world, men and women have been partnering with God to bring life into the world. If you're here in this building and you're saved, that's what happened. Some man or some woman partnered with God to tell you something you had never heard before. You opened your heart to it, and all of a sudden, you went from death into life. Last week, we looked at a couple of these men become mothers. Peter preached, and thousands found new life. So they got filled with the Spirit. He went outside. I wish it was that easy in every city. He goes outside. He starts telling everybody about Jesus and says 3,000 are added that day. They get saved. Philip goes out. He starts teaching in a community in a city, and all these people get saved, and then they all go out right away and get baptized. These men are being used to bring life into the world. What I want to look at this morning is what seems to be a progression. We want to stay in that track, but there seems to be a progression of this life. It's not all life all burst onto the scene in one moment. It seems like there's an awareness, then there's a decision, then there's this baptism, and then there's something else that begins to happen thereafter. From the same story we looked at before, I'm just going to look at five verses in Acts chapter 8. This is verse 12. It says, when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and he was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So for me, this picture keeps getting more and more clear. When we hear the truth of forgiveness, when we hear the truth of our sins being able to be forgiven and salvation in the name of Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit that actually opens us up to that. Right? 
Many of us, especially those who, who uh, uh, pastor or lead churches, sometimes we get confused and we think that it's our words, we think that it's our church, we think that it's the style that opens people up to Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can open a heart to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has to do that work, right? You've heard about God before. You've heard about church before. We live in a day and age where there's a Bible everywhere. There's Bibles on your apps. I mean, nobody's not heard about Jesus, but something happens at some point where the Holy Spirit opens us up and we begin to walk into that. We confess, we repent, we accept Jesus. It's amazing. But as we begin to understand more and more about who he is, something inside of us begins to stir and we say, man, I got to get baptized. Like, this is not a game. Look at what he did for me. I can't believe that it's real. I can't believe that he's real. I can really be forgiven. I can really be changed. I can really be transformed. And we begin to ask to be baptized. You can see when God is working on somebody, if instead of like people poking you and prodding you, you should read your Bible, you should read your Bible, you should get baptized. And you're saying, man, I should read my Bible. I want to get baptized. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. And we see that as a progression. Sometimes it happens immediately, right? Philip, uh, last week we talked about, he, he came upon a man in a, in a chariot. He was reading. He explained what he was reading. The guy said, I want that. I want Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. And he said, I see water outside. And they jumped out and he got baptized right away. Other people like this were reading a story this morning where they believed, right? They were baptized, and then something else had to happen later. Too many of us only associate with the death of Christ in our baptism and not the life of Christ in our baptism. We say, I'm so happy to be saved. I can't believe he did it. I want my old life to be over. I'm going to get into this water. I'm going to be baptized, and everything is done. My old life, my old life is over. But we forget that there's supposed to be this new life, this newness, this Holy Spirit power, this new way of thinking, this miracle that takes place. So these apostles come rolling in to town because they say, you didn't get the whole story. The Holy Spirit hasn't fallen upon you. What were you baptized into? You're baptized into the death of Christ, but not the life of Christ. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, this is what John the Baptist said. He says, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but Jesus is coming after me, is mightier than I, mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We have a baptism course in this church where we teach people who have been saved for a long time what the Bible actually says about baptism because many of them uh, have had that experience where they say, listen, I remember getting baptized. Maybe some of them don't remember this. I was a baby and I was in the Catholic church and they baptized me. I was a teenager and I went to a conference and they baptized me. But we teach this course so you could see what it actually says that Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and how that works and what it is that we should be praying for, what it is that we should be seeking. We also teach the course for new believers. We want them to be like that, that eunuch that Philip met where you get saved and then automatically you want to get baptized. It's been a joy this last couple of weeks for the people that decided to get baptized today. Some of them have been in our church for, for quite a while, and they went through some of that baptism course before today, and we've been talking with them and praying with them. Others have only been here for a few weeks, and are like, man, I want Jesus, and I want baptism, and I don't know, I don't care, I don't know anybody here, I now know Jesus, and I'm getting in. It's been special. <laughs> but spirit-filled believers need to understand that there's no greater honor than to partner with God and to bring this kind of life into the world. We should be explaining it to other people. We should be having those kind of conversations within our life groups. Hey, have you been baptized? You know what it means? 
Want to do a course? Want to talk about it? Because you're missing out. <laughs> but maybe I have to call Peter and John to come rolling through here and to tell you something's about to happen. So listen, Peter, he was just a man. Then he became a disciple of Christ. Then he got filled with the Spirit. Then he began to partner with God to bring life into the world. And this is what he has to say about it. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. He says to you, he says to me, he says, You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was, a he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Peter says, listen, there's life-giving power in this. You've been awakened, you've been saved, you've been redeemed, you've been born again. You have the word of God, you have the power of God. This should be the testimony of every Christian. And this should be what we're sharing. So number one, you were made for this. Number two, there's no greater honor than to partner with God to bring life into the world. Number three, you have a supernatural capacity to love forever and through anything. One of the things that happens to someone who's been born again is that they receive this supernatural capacity to love. Most women, like we talked about earlier, you feel this and you felt it for your children. They could have done anything. They could be on death row right now, and you love your children. Amen. You have hope for your children. It doesn't matter what they've done or what their past is or the decisions they made. Nothing stops you from loving them. But when you become a Christian, that ability to love becomes supernatural, and it applies to everyone. The life of God now lives inside of you, so when you look at somebody, you see a child of God. You don't see an enemy. You don't see a stranger. You don't see somebody that's not important to you. You see somebody that is a child of God, and you have a capacity to love them the same way that you have a capacity to love your own children. You know what the problem is? We struggle to activate it. We struggle to walk in it. We struggle to live in it because it's so foreign to us. In Job chapter uh, 2, verse 10, Job puts it like this. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? The born-again Christian will love even in adversity. When it's hard. When things are good, meet and greet after worship is crazy. It takes like it did today, 10 minutes. Everybody wants to hug, and everybody's in love, and oh, mom, I love you so much. And, oh, you're a mom, and you're a mom. I just, it's great. But let you be going through some adversity, you're sitting in your row, everybody's hugging, and you're like this. <laughs> the born-again Christian has a capacity to even love during adversity. In James chapter 1, verse 2, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The born-again Christian will love even in trial. You lost your job, you still love. You broke up with the one you thought was the one, but obviously it's not, you'll still love other people. 
you haven't been able to do some of the things you want to do, things aren't turned out the way that you thought that they would turn out, it's okay. You still have a capacity, a supernatural capacity, because God lives inside of you to love. Not based on our circumstances. I had an opportunity to be with one of the life groups Wednesday, and it was so powerful to talk about the difference between joy and happiness. And you could see these light bulbs going off in everybody's head like, oh, my joy is not determined by my circumstances. I now have a supernatural capacity to love. Paul says it like this in Romans, chapter 8, verse 34. In Christ, or excuse me, it is, in, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, or nakedness or peril, sword, as it is written, for your sakes were killed all day long, were accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In anything and in everything, you have a supernatural capacity to love. Nothing can separate you from it. The worst things that you can imagine or experience when you're born again and you have the love of God and the spirit of God alive inside of you, you have a capacity to keep loving. We look at certain people who go through things and we're like, how are they doing it? They've been baptized with the spirit of God. It's not fake. It's not a front. The men went to see this movie called Kingdom Men Rising. And one of the testimonies about a man, uh, his, his wife died in her sleep. They had three little girls. They went to the hospital and they tried to revive her. She didn't make it. They go into the side room and they start uh, uh, singing and worshiping together while they're crying. And it's like, man, I want to be that kind of man that has the spirit of God alive inside of me so that no matter what I go through, I have a supernatural capacity to love. We have a tendency to listen to the voice of our old life telling us not to live and not to love like that. You guys know the truth. When things happen and when people do things and when we have these relationships, you hear both voices. One says, close up, shut down, hate on them. (laughs) Tell them what you really think. Tell them how you really feel. And the other voice is really small saying, love. (laughs) Like, Like real small. You have a capacity. There's something inside of you. And that other old voice, right, is just strong. This morning, that happened to me, right? There's people that you know you're supposed to send Happy Mother's Day messages to, but your flesh is like, don't send that. Don't call them, don't text them. But we can't listen to that voice. You gotta listen to the voice that says, man, we have a capacity for redemption and reconciliation and healing and love and faith and joy. It's a war, though. Romans 7, I heard some mamas right now. That's right, it's a war. I don't love them kids like I love my kids. Romans 7.22 says, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. It's bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's saying, it's hard, it's a war. I wake up saying, do it, and then I say, don't do it. Love them, and then I say, don't love them. Help them, and then I say, let them fail. He says, it's a war. Who's going to deliver me from this? Jesus will. Be baptized, be filled with his spirit. Jesus will help you to win the battle. 
When you come into this church or any other church on a Sunday, we come to learn how to fight. Amen. This isn't the fight. This is where you learn how to fight. Yep. This is where you learn the weapons that you have to be able to do battle and do warfare. Wednesday nights in our life groups are like small group battalions for training. <laughs> I love it lately. There are people who typically would have called me and now I hear from people in the life group or people that are hosting life groups saying, oh, we're working these things out together. Like you have your own battalion. Fight the good fight. Once a month. You heard about it this Saturday. The women are going to be meeting uh, for a brunch. I think it's called the, the woman behind or the God behind the woman. The woman behind the woman. See, that's why I'm not invited. I don't know the title. <laughs> but our, our once a month women's ministry, our once a month men, men's ministry, those are like special ops. <laughs> special ops. This group of women go out and they're like, we got something to accomplish. This school is not going to take the minds of our children. Right. right? These boys are not going to take the purity of our daughters. They get together and they learn how to be women of God and it's special operations. The same thing with the men. It's like SEAL teams when we go out. <laughs> Once a month as a church, we go out into the streets and we try to enlist new soldiers. We call it sidewalk sanctuary. It's outreach. We go out and say, look, we're looking for a few good men and women. Because there's a fight going on and we need help. And then twice a month, every other week in this church, like we had this morning, you heard Raymond mention it, we come in for prayer. This morning was prayer with understanding. Friday night, we have praying in the spirit. And that's when we go to, to the Lord and we say, Lord, we need you to send reinforcements. <laughs> we need help. We're doing everything we can down here, but we need help. You have a supernatural capacity, but you got to develop it. So number one, you're made for this. Number two, there's no greater honor than to partner with God to bring life into the world. Number three, you have a supernatural capacity to love forever and through anything. And finally, number four, redeem the time. Redeem the time. John chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Say mother. mother. Say mom. Mom. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with, the, with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received that sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Isn't it interesting that, that he's on the cross, and there's his mother at the feet of the cross. Jesus says to his mother, our time has come and gone. This thing that you and I have had for 33 years has come and gone. If there's anything that you wish you would have said, if there's anything that you wish you would have done differently, I'm going to give you another son to redeem the time. He says, look, woman, I love you. <laughs> Children, don't ever say that to your mother, woman. <laughs> no matter how old you are, don't do it. Jesus is Jesus. He can do it. But he says, woman, look, behold your son. 
There's things we didn't talk about. There's things we didn't do. There's things that were, were needing to be fixed. There's things that needed to be said. However, I've got to go. I'm giving you another son. You can redeem the time. You can talk about things you wish you talked about with me. You can wrestle with things that you wish we wrestled with together. And I think it's interesting with John. John had a mother. And she wasn't an absentee mother. She was like all in the business kind of mama. Jesus is walking with his disciples and John's mom comes in and says, hey, by the way, like my boys are off the hook. Can they be like, can they be one and two? I know you got 12. Somebody's got to be one. Somebody's got to be two. That's how John's mom was. Some of you moms are like that. It's okay. John's mom is a mother that was like that. She said, I want my sons to sit on your right hand and the left when you come into the kingdom. I want them to have positions. I want, they're the sons of thunder. These guys are awesome. Even with a mother like that, isn't it interesting that Jesus would say, Son, behold your mother. You know what he's saying? He says, you now have a supernatural capacity to love. One mother cannot have all the love that you've got. You have enough to love many. Amen. Redeem the time. Redeem the time. When Jesus, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we're born again, we can go back to our sons and to our daughters, and we can redeem the time. Many of you, mothers and fathers here, think about your children, and you think about what's behind, what's lost, what you didn't say, what you didn't do, how you didn't help, where you weren't strong enough, when you were too tired, when you were too broke, and all that kind of stuff, but we don't think enough about going back and redeeming the time. God has blessed us with this life that's in Jesus where you can redeem that. Children, of all ages, not just our young people, but adults that still have your parents, you can redeem the time. <laughs> that's available to us. The same way that Jesus looks at his mom, he looks at John and says, that's your mother, that's your son. The same thing for us, we can go back to our biological mothers and fathers and to the best of our ability, redeem the time. You can go to others and redeem that time and relationship. Father figures, mother figures. Sons and daughters that you can have influence over that aren't even your biological children. You can redeem the time that the enemy has stolen from us. I've watched it this week as young people are, are asking other uh, older men to disciple them. And they're not biological sons or daughters, right? But they're asking, hey, I want to redeem something. I'm watching people that don't go to this church, but they have relationship with somebody who's being baptized and they're coming to stand in the gap for them because that's a capacity we have. We can redeem relationship, redeem time. It's so special. It might seem sad <laughs> that on a Mother's Day, we close the message with a weeping mother standing at the foot of a cross while her son bleeds all over the place. I mean, of all the messages you could hear, right? <laughs> He's been beaten, bruised, battered. The Bible says that his flesh is ripped off of his skin, right? Beaten within an inch of his life, all the blood draining out of his body, being dragged up a mountain, <laughs> being nailed to a cross, and there she is. If, any, if anybody's a mother or a father in here, we should have at least a little glimpse of what she was experiencing. And there she is at the feet of the cross, probably blood all over her as well. But let's listen to the, the words that I believe are the same type of words that Jesus would have said to her. We heard it earlier. John 16, 22. I could hear Jesus saying this to his mother. 
You now have sorrow, but I will see you again. <laughs> and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Imagine. Mom, I, I see it. I see it. <laughs> You're sorrowful, but I'm going to see you again. I'm going to see you again. I'm going to replace the sorrow that you feel right now that there's nothing that's ever come into your life like this. I'm going to replace it with joy. And you'll never feel this way again. Can you imagine what Mary felt raising Jesus, watching him live his life, watching him do the miracles, watching him be crucified after being betrayed, watching him go into a grave, and then seeing him walk back into the room? <laughs> a few days later, and then watching him spend time with his disciples for 40 days, and then watching him go to heaven, like her faith. Her faith had to be so strong. Our faith is not in anybody. Our faith is not in mothers. Our faith is in Jesus. But this is what's available to you and I, a God who says, you can be born again and I'll see you again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Worship team, would you come? He's a good God. Amen? Amen? The promises are not just to mothers. The promises are to all who will partner with God to bring life into the world. It's such a special thing. Such a special offer that the Lord presents us with. Amen. So as you know, we have baptisms and communion here in just a few minutes. But first, what we always need to do when we're, when we're together like this and in a place like this, we have to see if there's any who are going to be added to what the Bible calls the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? So every single day since Jesus rose from the dead, somewhere, someone has decided to put their hope and their faith in Jesus. They've asked that he would give them a new life. They've asked that they would, they would be able to receive eternity in heaven. It's a simple decision. I hope there's at least one maybe in this room today that would say, man, today's the day that I want to ask him. You know, the city Philip came into they didn't know that today was going to be the day. When, when the Holy Spirit came and, and Peter comes outside and starts preaching, there were people walking around and they didn't know that today was going to be the day. When Simon the Cyrenian was, was walking home with his boys and Jesus is falling on the ground because he has no strength to carry his cross, and they say, you, carry the cross of Christ, he didn't know that that day was going to be his day. So maybe you came here <laughs> to see somebody get in water, Maybe you came here to do your weekly duty of serving the Lord. But maybe today is the day. Maybe today is the day where the gospel becomes not just somebody else's story, but your story. Maybe today is the day where you say, man, I'm in the age of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm in the age of not only do I get to put my faith in Jesus, but he actually will send his spirit to live inside of me. I don't have to take the word of a pastor or a friend or a mother or a father. I get to experience it for myself. 
On October 22nd, 2004, that happened to me. God was doing something inside of me. I didn't know what was going on. It was really scary, aggravating, frustrating. But I knew he was opening my heart and I said, Lord, if you're real, you gotta be real for me. If you can help, I need it now. <laughs> and that was it, the rest is history. Is there anyone here today? We can bow our heads actually, why don't we bow our heads? Why don't we close our eyes? It's not because we're scared to see you. It's just because we all need to be focusing on our own salvation. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Think about your own. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, I feel something going on in my heart. I feel what you are telling me is the Holy Spirit opening me up to say, I need salvation. I want Jesus. I want it to be real. I want it to be more than a story. I want it to be more than a building. I want it to be more than a book. I want to know God. If he says I can be born again and filled with his spirit, I can have his handprint and his breath alive inside of me. If that's true, I want that. If that's true of you this morning, would you raise your hand so that I can see you? We want to make sure that you get prayed for. We want to make sure that you know what it is that you've been able to receive. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's just between you and the Lord. But if that's you and you want to be saved, you want to walk out of this building knowing you're saved, would you raise your hand so I can see you? Hallelujah, Lord. Today's your day. Raise it so I can see you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to open the altars and we're going to sing one song. And this song is, is a song for those to respond if God ministered to you in some area today. If God told you and it sinks in with you that you're made for this, that this Christian thing, this salvation, this walk with him, it really is the best thing that ever happened to you and you want to respond to the Lord. If you want to partner with God to bring life into the world, not just mothers who have already done that in the physical, but men and women, young men and women, who maybe God's showing you, you see this opportunity that you can bring life into the world. You can be the one to see your friends get saved. You can be the one to open your children's eyes to the truth of Jesus. You can be the one for your coworkers, for your family and extended family. You can partner with God to bring life into the world. Or maybe it's about your capacity to love. Maybe you feel like it's been suppressed. Maybe you feel like the voice of your old life, the voice of the enemy, that voice that's warring against the voice of the Lord maybe is winning more than it should. If that's you and you want God to just meet you, the altars are going to be open for you. You have a supernatural capacity. We want to see that release. We want to see that not be dormant, but be active in your life. Or maybe it's about redeeming the time. Maybe God is telling you that it's not too late for anything. The scripture said that not even death can separate you from the love of God. Even those that have gone on, there's still redemption and reconciliation available to you. We want to open the altars and just give you a few minutes while those who are going to be being baptized get themselves ready for that. But we're going to sing one song. We're going to ask our prayer team to pray with you. We serve the God who will intervene and meet us, but we have to respond. 
The altars are open. Lord, we ask that you would meet your sons, meet your daughters here at this altar this morning, that as they walk forward, that some of that burden would be falling off of them, Lord God, that as they come to meet you, you say that if we seek you, we will find you, Lord, that if we flee from the enemy and turn to you, Lord, there you are. Would you meet us here at this altar this morning? Would you minister to us, Lord? Would you change us and transform us, Lord God? Would you make it more than words, Lord, and begin to bear fruit in our lives, God? We love you. We thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. I was nowhere you came to my rescue From the grave I've been raised When I needed a Savior to save me Jesus, you made a way For listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.